The Gladiator. Good evening, good afternoon. This is Abe Collins, uh, retired special agent from the Drug Enforcement Administration. Uh, been retired about six years going on now. <laughs> so last when when I was speaking, we was talking about uh, my time at the uh, Memphis International Airport. And this one uh, is an interesting one. I'm gonna tell you this story about uh, the rest of Beaky and Fats. Working at the airport, again, you get a lot of information from a lot of different sources, a lot of different contacts. And one of the um, task force officers in the office was speaking with an informant and the informant had told him that uh, a female, black female, had flew to Houston like on a Friday or Saturday and to pick up some dope, drugs, cocaine, for some for one of the known drug dealers there in Memphis. And these guys' names were Binky and Fats. Binky, can't remember the last name, but it was like Binky and Fat. And both of them was fat guys too. Binky and Fats. Fat Sanders was one of them. Last name. He said Binky and Fats kind of ran in an Orange Mound area of Memphis. Orange Mound is a well-known black community, predominant, well, overwhelmingly black community in Memphis. Um, these guys are selling a lot, of, a lot of drugs in that area of Orange Mound. So Dave told us that, and he told me, told Freddie Hughes, uh, some of the airport people to be on the watch for this young lady. And so we checked all our sources, a lot of the airline flights and showed that uh, the young lady, and I say her name was Sharon, it may not be a real name, but let's say her name was Sharon, had flew out on a Friday and was due to fly back in on a Saturday morning or either Sunday morning. Short trip. Short trips indicates a lot also showed that she had paid cash for a ticket and paid cash when uh, she was about to fly back, fly back to Memphis. So anyway, with that information, Fred Hughes, J.C. Sneed, Kevin Brown, all these guys, Dave McGriff, and I believe Hank Baker. A lot of us uh, was uh, watching the flight when she came back. Again, she's a female, and sometimes we don't suspect females uh, a lot, but a lot of females are, are most notorious carriers just because of that. People don't suspect them. And we watching the flight and saw that she was booked to come back to Memphis from Houston on one of the, one of the airline's flights. And we set up at the gate of the ticket uh, where the plane land at the gate watching. So we watched her, we had a description of her, and slender female, that type of long hair, how she was dressed. We kind of picked out, of course there was other, other females that was on that same flight, but it's up to us to determine who to, uh, 
who to um, stop and talk to. So she got off the off the flight, deplane de- de- the flight, got off, walking to the airport, and can't remember who who said that must be her. It looked like her from the picture we had, and so we watched her wait till she pick up her bags. Go downstairs to the. Uh, you pick up your baggage. Picked up her bags, and she was about to walk out of the airport with her bags. And you remember doing those times? You could bring dope to the airport without no problem. You could put it in your luggage. You could put it on your body. It wasn't that hard to get dope through airports, particularly if you put it in your luggage. Only thing you got to worry about back in those days. Was when you put it in your luggage, whether or not the airport personnel was gonna steal it or not. But it didn't happen. They didn't have all that equipment they have now. Back then, only thing they was checking for was guns and weapons, and that they wasn't really checking for drugs so much. But they definitely were checking for weapons and guns. So as she grabbed the two suitcases, about to leave the airport, I believe Fred stopped them. Fred Hughes, I always say he had the gift of gab. Fred is smooth. Excuse me, young lady. Um, you mind if I can speak with you? I'm uh, task force officer Fred Hughes. Uh, here's my identification. Yeah, we need to speak with you. So immediately you get that you get that nervous you get that nervous reaction from someone when they're guilty. I call it the Sega Jakey. I can't remember if she got the Sega Jakey or not. But you could tell she was nervous. It was almost like the reaction on her face was like, almost like, y'all got me. And she cooperated with us, wasn't no problem. We took her to the airport, our DEA office there on the lower level in the Memphis airport, took her to our office. We already know she wasn't wasn't the main person. You already know that. Here she is, and she had the luggage. And what you do then, um, you ask them uh, to give us permission to search your luggage. And we told us, she did, you know, pretty much, you say, if you do not, we're going to get a warrant to search them anyway. And we can get a warrant for it. But in the essence of time, uh, she agreed uh, to allow us to search your luggage. She was just dejected. You can see what's sitting there in the chair with her head down. She said, yeah, I searched my bag as well. We need, a little, we need to do a little, a little bit further than that. We actually need you to sign a release form, agreeing to give us permission to search your luggage. She looked at the paper, took it, and she signed her name on the paper, which is kind of documentation you kind of need, you know, in the court of law. Sometimes people come back and say, well, I didn't give them permission, all of that. Well, that was just to cover us. She did give us permission to search. And when we opened a suitcase, we found, I'ma believe like maybe two kilos, could be four. I can't exactly remember, but it was enough kilos in her, in her luggage that uh, she was facing a lot of time. Cause at that time, when you got caught with 500 grams of uh, powder cocaine, you were at least looking at five years minimum at least unless you cooperated. So 
Fred, again, did the talking. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I'm not as smooth as he is, so he know how to. He know how to talk. He definitely do. I'm learning from him. He talking to um, telling the young lady. Um, okay, see what we got in here. She, yep, yeah, I know, I know. Okay, okay. So, is this yours? She didn't want to tell us, but as we persisted talking to her, she says. These guys, Binky and Fats, gave me money, my $500, told me to buy a ticket and fly to Houston and someone would meet me at a hotel there uh, and get me, and what you fly to the Houston, get a room, text the hotel back, whatever room the hotel she at, to these guys in Memphis. And these guys in turn, tell someone what hotel and room she's at and they were gonna take the amount of cocaine and take it and give it to her. And that's how it kind of worked. Uh, she may not knew these guys, or she may know them. She, she also said she had did several trips like that. Uh, can't remember the exact number, but I'm gonna say it may have been less than 10, maybe less than five, I'm not sure. It's been a long time ago, and this was around, I would say around 2000, and, no, around 1990, around 92 or 93 or something. Been a while ago. And Fred talking to her, we you know, got the drugs, got look at her, look at her uh, text messages. She was getting text messages from these guys because, as you remember, at the time, it wasn't like everybody had a cell phone. To have a cell phone, you had to be somebody. I don't remember having a cell phone, but I do remember having a beeper, a pager, beeper, pager. She got these guys' text messages in there. And where you at? They knew she had landed, but they asked him where she at, where she at. So Fred put the Fred put the rush on him. He said, look, this is what we gonna do. He said, you guys want this drug, right? She said, yeah. He said, yeah, yeah, they want it, they waiting on it. And so we put a plan together. Say, uh, you're gonna cooperate with us, right? She agreed to do that. We, we promised her that we'll let the uh, prosecutor know that her cooperation would be, would be, you know, in her credit if she did cooperate. She did. So what we did, we took her and to her apartment. It was in Midtown somewhere in Midtown, Memphis, and took her, at least I took her in my car. And uh, the plan was to take her to her house. And once she got home to her house, she was gonna text him or call him, however she communicated with him normally. Nothing out of what she normally do. And these guys was gonna come and pick the package up. So uh, that's kind of how it went. However, I took her in her apartment. I had the dope, the dope was in our custody then, so we wasn't gonna give it back. Uh, let her just be in the apartment with the dope. Cause also, uh, I mean, I forgot this part, she was like a user. 
She was like either on crack or on cocaine or something. It was no way we gonna leave the dope in there with her, hoping everything work out. So I took the dope upstairs with her and placed it in in a place where I could keep my eye on it. I went and hid in the closet and I radioed my guys, I called them, and told them I'm in here and we need the place to call to these guys, Fats and Beacon. And we did. We placed a call, let them know that uh, uh, she placed a call and told them everything was good and they need to come get this stuff because she got somewhere to go and they need to hurry up. So that kind of worked out. So we, we had guys set up, set up on the perimeter of her apartment, all in the area, kind of watching both, kind of watching both uh, exiting and entrance point to the street that she lived on. We was watching it. And next thing I know, I hear is um, uh, they got a, someone gave a description of a car or like I think it was like a light tan a light light gold Maxima going southbound on whatever that street was that she lived on I think it was um, uh, Peabody I think the street was Peabody southbound on Peabody light tan uh, Maxima goes by the house go down the street and I guess he's trying to check the area out goes down when nobody like on top of things. When I say on top of things, I mean they went like sitting right there in front of the house. The guys know how to hide. They know how to hide. And they, someone saw the car circle around, look around, and he's back parked on the street, uh, right in front of her house, right in front of her apartment. And two big old, I was so big old fat guys, look like football players, big head fats. And, I, and then I, I, I had never. I had heard them, but uh, as they given the description of them, they walking up the sidewalks toward the apartment, and I'm hiding in the closet. So I cut my radio down, cut my phone down or something, make sure that they didn't hear me. And I'm peeping out the closet door, and I'm looking right at the dope. She there, she's not messing with it. She got it so that they can just come get it. She got it in a little bag we, that she had brought one little personal bag. I still, I still see it. And I hear the noise. I hear some guy walking up the stairs. They started coming up the stairs. They started making a lot of noise. Hey, girl, where you at? And he been on the door. So, come on in here. Come on, on in here. You hear the conversation. And I'm here listening. I got my gun out too now. Now you never know. I got my gun right here. I'm ready just in case, you know, something pop off. But you just never know. So did nothing pop off. They came in, they was there maybe less than a minute. They talked and I heard one of them say, uh, okay, okay, girl, good, good job. Uh, we gonna get up with you. Meaning they gonna get up with them, pay or whatever they need to pay. I think they was paying her like a thousand dollars for each trip at that time. But they know she was a drug fiend, so, you know, that's what they do. They use people like that. Uh, and so they grabbed it, grabbed the, the, the uh, package the container that the cocaine was in. I think it was either two or four kilos of cocaine. And so they grabbed it, picked it up, and I heard them say, shut the door. They shut the door as they was leaving the room. And 
And I waited a moment and I went and looked out the window and I saw him walking down the um, down the um, sidewalk toward their car. And, and the plan was just as soon as they get in the car, uh, about to get in the car, the rest of the team would come in and block the car in. Okay, the rest of the team would come block the car in. So it didn't happen exactly like that though, because they got to the car. <laughs> they got to the car. And I guess um, some ambulance was coming down the road and kind of blocked the guys getting to the house. Some ambulance was passing through and kind of messed the little plan up. They couldn't get to the car before they got in the car. As soon as they got in the car, they was taken off. And I believe Fred, Fred had a white vehicle, uh, tried to block him in. They run up on the sidewalk and another another TFO officer uh, tried to block him on the sidewalk. They come off the sidewalk and Fred turned around and just hit him with his car. Because the point was, you weren't going to let this drug get away. You can't let drugs just get back on the streets like that after you didn't have possession of So everybody understood the importance of not that drug getting away from that scene and making sure there was not no high-speed vehicle pursuit. But once these guys get a hold of that kind of package, that kind of cocaine, is uh, they know they they know they going to jail and they don't want to go to jail. And they know they got it with them. They're trying their best to get away. They're trying to escape. So Fred hit him like T-Bone, hit him with his vehicle to stop him. And, and he did. Uh, when he hit the car, it kind of got up, got him on the sidewalk. He couldn't get off. So these two big old fat guys get out of the car, one running with the package in the hand, the other running one way, they run. And it was kind of hilarious because you see these big old fat guys trying to run. And I'm looking, I see it. And I hear sirens, uh, I hear sirens going and coming and regular police that made to the scene. and. It was over very shortly because there wasn't no way these big old fat guys gonna get away. And they didn't. It was him, love. We called him, arrest him. He covered the drugs, put it away, took him downtown. These guys were mad. They mad as, they know they were set up. But to me, they set their own self up. That's what they wanted. They wanted the drugs. And she just gave it to them like they asked her to. Of course, they didn't know she had been caught. But as part of the plan, sometimes you give them what they want. That's what they want. Anyway, so shortly after that, we had a hearing, and they was uh, before a judge, and they did make bond because I don't think one of them had such a bad criminal history. Criminal history. Uh, so uh, the magistrate gave them bond, and they got out. So about a couple of weeks later, I was at some restaurant, nice restaurant, having dinner with with a friend of mine and as I was leaving they come walking in there both of them and they see me and I see them and they just started making causing a the ruckus they started causing a ruckus you know real bad language about uh, real bad language like police motherfucker you know what you gonna do now what you gonna do now so I had my gun on I wasn't worried about it but I just kind of tried to ignore them you know, I really did. I tried to ignore him. 
and you know, they all, brother, what you do? What you do that by yourself? What you do that, both of them? I kept saying to myself, you fucking, you cross that line. You, you come close, you come close enough. I'm gonna see, you gonna see what I'm gonna do. Because, uh, I, I mean, I guess they was trying to intimidate me or something, but they wasn't. I wasn't afraid of them. Uh, wasn't no way I was gonna back down. So I just stood there and paid my little bill at the counter. They were just talking. They were really causing a bad ruckus. And paid my bill, walked out of the restaurant, and got in my car and left. And didn't have no more problem with them. And they did get they did get sentenced and they did do some time, you know, on the bottom line. But I wasn't afraid of them. I wasn't afraid of what might happen. I was not afraid of that at all. Actually, I feel good about what I had just did because um, if you if you back down from these foods, and not that I want no confrontation, but I'm not gonna back down for one. That's for sure. So they went to jail, and the young lady did get credit for what she did, and I she got charged also, and she ended up good on probation what she did they threatened her life a couple of times but nothing as far as i know ever happened to her that was an original authentic story from retired dea special agent abe collins also known as the gladiator until next time good day.